I'm Major Robinson. Juanita Vero. Chris Warden. Barb Sistero. Jim Swan. Adriana Hines. This is Sherry Jarvis. Hello, this is Samuel Enemy Hunter from Lodgegrass, Montana. From Greeno, Montana. From Rocky Boy. From Virginia City, Montana. Helena, Montana. And you're listening to. And you are listening to. Listen First. Listen First. You're listening to Listen First, Montana. Hi, this is Chantelle Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana. Views and opinions shared by guests of Listen First Montana do not reflect the opinions of all of our alumni or organization. We are a large group with lots of opinions, believe me. If you hear something that makes you uncomfortable, we invite you to listen deeply, listen hard, and listen first. Hello and welcome to Listen First Montana, a podcast of Leadership Montana. I'm Eric Halverson. You're listening to a special mini-series of this podcast focused on Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. About 20 Leadership Montana alumni are participating in this new program, and you'll hear from them as they visit four different tribal nations. Their reflections on this podcast offer listeners a wide range of perspectives, insights, and levels of familiarity with the communities this group will visit. For this episode, let's head to the Northern Cheyenne Nation for a conversation recorded in September of 2022 between Leadership Montana President and CEO Chantel Schieffer and Major Robinson, Chair of Leadership Montana's Indigenous Advisory Committee. This conversation was recorded in the back seat of a moving vehicle, so you may notice a few sounds of the road in the background. This is Chantel Schieffer, President and CEO of Leadership Montana, and I'm proud to be a participant in this new program. This is Major Robinson. I serve as Chair of Leadership Montana's Indigenous Advisory Committee. I'm Northern Cheyenne, and my Cheyenne name is Anhonisto, which translated to English means Screaming Hawk. We are on day three of our visit to Northern Cheyenne Nation. It is September 2022. The leaves are just starting to change. The air is just getting crisp again. And we are exploring this beautiful land. And Major, this is your land. These are your people. This is your home. So Major, for you, this has been, as you've called it, really a, a journey home. What has that been like for you? Yeah, it's truly been a journey home on this particular trip. Um, you know, when I was driving down here, Chantel, I was, um, I always feel, and I was driving from Helena through Billings onto, um, onto Lame Deer, <clears throat> I uh, felt this calm, just this peace and joy and and uh, uh, usually I'm running late <laughs> this time I was actually I gave myself enough time to just enjoy the, the journey and uh, even when I woke up that morning and Tom Mexican Cheyenne uh, texted me he said uh, hey we need some firewood can you find some firewood <laughs> 
I was like, oh my God. Okay, okay. So I got on Facebook. I saw that. And within a couple minutes, I found firewood from another Northern Cheyenne tribal member in Billings. So I stopped in Billings, loaded up the firewood, had this great conversation with Doris Limberhan. And, uh, and everything was all right. Mm-hmm. Everything was as it should be. And so I just continued this journey back, back to um, my homeland, my people. And first place I went was Tom Mexican Cheyenne's place to unload firewood for the sweat. And I, and I, uh, and I had Chris traveling with me in his own vehicle and I knew I didn't have to do this alone. It was mm-hmm. it was something that I could do with my friends, and it's something I can do with my fellow tribal members. And so it was just it was a wonderful trip to come back here. And then of course being here has been a whole nother trip. And like I explained earlier, this has been <clears throat> one of the few times that I can see my home through other people's eyes, and and it's been really wonderful to have that perspective as well what would you want someone to see of your home through their own eyes you know if someone's never been here before what I want them to see is not what they see when they can look at us as humans as people with hopes and dreams and imperfections Mm -hmm. and not just see the imperfections you know we may not have the same type of home that other people live in we may not dress exactly the same we may not talk in the same way but just look at us for who we are and what we have to offer I was just so proud of our people and everybody that shared while we were here you know because they just showed who we really are I think I really felt that when we were in the the sweat lodge last night because you couldn't see anything yeah so I had to see with my heart and with my soul and with my ears I had to all of my senses were heightened because I could not see anything when the when you would close the door and Tom would pour the water onto the rocks and you could feel the steam but you couldn't see it and and it was for me this this opportunity to really hone in on those other senses and and especially like the sense of of just feeling with your soul and with your heart what other people are feeling and we walked around the circle where we went around the the circle in the sweat lodge and everyone most people shared what was on their minds, what was on their hearts. And it just felt like the most safe, comfortable slash uncomfortable place that you could be, right? You're in this, you know, experience with these people that you love and trust and we're sharing so deeply, more deeply than I think we have seen in other experiences. Is that what you find typically to happen when you're in a in a sweat lodge with with your people each each sweat is different it's different it depends on the the collection of people in the circle and what they all bring each one every single one i've 
had many, many sweats, and they're each different. Even from the Sunday to the Tuesday sweat that we had was different, different experience. And it's, it's what people bring into that circle. But what's similar is that, that feeling of safety, mm-hmm. of security. Mm-hmm. And that's intentional. Yeah. That's intentional. Is that, um, as I explained before we went in, Tom and I and Reginald there are to keep you all safe. Uh, but even more so than that, what the sweat, the sweat lodge represents is, uh, I don't know if I've explained it before, but the way I've heard it is it represents the womb. And that's the safest place we've ever been before we're thrust out into this world. And you have everything that you need right there. And so um, what happens in the sweat is exactly how you described, is that hopefully people come together and they listen with other senses and realize that we're all connected um, and that we're connected to Mother Earth. We're sitting right on the Earth and there's an energy that comes up through Mother Earth as well. And so um, all of that comes together in the sweat. It's fascinating that to me that you say it's like the womb. I hadn't heard you explain it that way before, but last night when I was sitting on the ground and I w- was getting really uncomfortable in my hip and my knee, and I just kind of laid my back, I just kind of rested my back on the on the edge and, and just kept saying to myself, just let it hold you, just let it hold you. And and, and now that you say that it's designed to... to to really replicate that experience, that first human experience that we have in the womb and that safest place, that makes so much sense to me. It's powerful. So let's let's zoom out for a second and, and consider this program at large. Um, we are on our fourth of six sessions for this inaugural Indigenous Immersion Initiative that you are leading as, as the chair of the committee uh, that's putting this together, um, along with Marcy McLean, our indigenous, uh, our indigenous program director, and myself, we've been talking about this for a long time, and the origins of this program really did start here in Northern Cheyenne with an experience that the class of 2017 had with Barbara Braided Hair, showing us just such incredible generosity and welcomeness. And I turned to Anna Berg, our program director at the time, or she still is our program director, but at the time I turned to Anna and I said, what would happen if we could take this experience, this, this half day experience and, and, and stretch it over three days? What could, what, how could we change hearts and minds? with this immersive experience. And over time we've developed this program and now here we are. What do you hope for the, the future of this, this experience, this program? And, and do you think that we're meeting those initial expectations of changing hearts and minds? Mm. Um, my hopes for this program as we go forward is that uh, people take what they're experiencing through this journey together and take it back to their communities. And that, um, and I've talked about this with a couple of, uh, of our class, classmates in the last few days here at Northern Cheyenne, is that I really hope that now that um, 
there's been some trust built here that, that in the process of what I see happening here at Northern Cheyenne on, on this, on these last three days, people are willing to pull back the curtain a little bit, pull back that veil and say, this is who we are. That takes trust. That takes trust. And so uh, I'm hoping that people that aren't from here who are experiencing this can take that back and say, wow, this is what I learned from Northern China people that I didn't think I would take away. Um, and so I hope that that continues to grow with each of the indigenous communities that we visit because we're all different. That's right. And I want people to understand we're all different. Yeah. Do you think we're doing that? Do you think we're meeting our, our goals of building that understanding? I do because, uh, and you know how I gauge it is yeah. through the tribal members here that participated. Oh, well, tell and, me more. And their, their messages and what they're sharing, they're willing to share some, some uh, pretty personal stuff. And, and again, that takes some trust. It's just like, okay, you're not going to use this against me, or you're not going to take away my culture, or you're not going to take my land, or, or you're not going to take my children away. There's been a lot that's been taken away from yeah. Northern China and a lot of indigenous people. So to have that type of trust, it gives me that hope that it's like, okay, okay, we're, we're willing to try this. So I hope that the participants realize that too, is that they're being entrusted with this. Yeah. Isn't it ironic where we're driving right now? To the Boys and Girls Club? To the Boys and Girls Club. We get to go to the Northern Cheyenne Boys and Girls Club. We get to meet with the director, Jerry Small, mm. who used to be our uh, tribal president. Mm -hmm. First female tribal president that we ever had. And uh, she did a great job, you know, and she's doing a great job with the Boys and Girls Club. Um, but yeah, it's 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 you know gonna be a good experience to to go and see because it's it's a lot about the children we hear a lot it's about the children and it's about the elders and it's up to us in between those two uh to to make those connections and yeah. to provide for both but uh but yeah the other is that um and this is wonderful and i don't know how you wanted to talk about our friend, but Barbara? it's Barbara Braided here. But we're driving by her house soon. We're driving by her house right now. I know. <laughs> and I always love uh, driving by, thinking of her and thinking of what messages she gave you, what messages she gave me. Uh, sometimes she was pretty pushy about it. It's like, I'm going to do this. Yeah. Yeah. But she had a gentle, uh, loving uh Perseverance. Yeah. And she would be so joyful to see what's happening with this program. I think that she would. I think about, I've been thinking about that a lot this week. Like how I can just, I can kind of see her big cheeked smile right uh -huh. now. Right. Uh -huh. And how happy she would be to see that this is the become a reality. Something that we've talked about for so long has become a reality because she and Tom Scott are, you know, primary founder 20 years ago 
they had this vision of how can we bridge divides between all types of differences, including cultural. And they were so passionate in creating this program, Leadership Montana, to make sure that we were very intentional about including the indigenous voice. And when Tom asked Barbara to be one of the first class members in Leadership Montana, that was, I think, such a, an act of, again, trust and, and value and importance. And one of the things I'm always so proud of Barbara for, I don't know if I ever told you this, the, when First Interstate Bank celebrated their 75th anniversary as a, as a company, mm-hmm. they created this big um, coffee table book of all of their accomplishments. It's beautiful. There's one person one individual person who's featured as an individual in that book. It's Barbara Mm. because of the work that she did here Mm -hmm. and, and the legacy that she had with that company for so many years. There's no one else that's called out individually in that book Mm -hmm. except Barbara. Mm -hmm. That is just such a testament to who, who she was and, and the spirit that she still carries, I think, through through you and through me and through those of us that had a chance to, to know and love her. I miss her. Yeah. Yep. Miss her and then we see so much evidence of her with people that we've talked to. So last night, I got to tell you a little story. Last night, um, <clears throat> yesterday afternoon, actually, I had to go and put the, or actually the, the honor of going and starting the rocks and the fire. So I went and started that for Tom. And then Tom came and and we sat there and then uh, as we were sitting there around the fire, and that's the other wonderful part of a sweat is that you get to be there to watch the fire for a couple hours and get ready and share stories. Um, Elizabeth braided hair uh, came to visit and that was Barbara's sister-in-law. And uh, she had just presented to the group at Chief Del Knife College. And she's, she sat down in the chair and she looked at me and she just smiled because I had a t-shirt on that had Barbara's image from our store, Sage and Oats. And she's like, oh my God, that's Bubbles. That was her nickname. And she says, I want one of those t-shirts. I was going to take my t-shirt off and give it to her, but I said, no, I, I can't do that. Um, but I said, when I come back next time, I'll bring you a couple of the t-shirts. She says, that would be great. That'd be great. And, um, yeah, Barbara just has infused so many people, um, including our business, Sage and Oats, and, and the fact that she allowed us to use her image and, uh, and, and people find us on Main Street, Montana now because they see Barbara right there outside the door. And uh, so she has reached into everyone's hearts here. Boy, she has left a, a legacy that is so clear to see, not only here, but as you say, across the state. She was, she was a remarkable woman. And it's, it's so powerful, I think, to see others pick up where, where she left off, yourself included. What does that, what does legacy mean to you? What is, what is legacy, that, when I say the word legacy, for you, what do you want the history books to say about you? Mm. What do you want your legacy to be? Mm. 
you know, we have children, and I think about that too, because in part your children are your legacy. Um, you have that one chance, you know, as a parent. And so, you know, that's part of my legacy is how are they as people? Um, and, and I'm really grateful because uh, our kids are good, peop- are good people. They have good hearts. They're compassionate. They're talented. They, they give a lot. Um, you know, that's what I guess I would like my legacy to be is that I was one of the people, one of, um, and that I was able to give back what I was given. I mean, legacy is so important here on our reservation because our ancestors literally died so that we could have this homeland. This is our legacy, this land, because this land is, and our language is what keeps us together. So that it's not just an I thing, it's a we thing. And if I'm thought of as one of the we, and that I left something good, um, that would be great. I love that that concept of it's it's not an I thing, it's a we thing. And that that's definitely been a, a theme for me this year in, in this work that we do at Leadership Montana. It's not just about one or two of us. It has to be about all of us. It has to be about our whole team, our staff, our board, our consultants, our volunteers, our alumni, our participants, this big web of leaders, you know, that's nearing a thousand people who've gone through our flagship experience that we can't do any of the things that we do without the support of each other. We're just, we're not meant to be on this planet and do things by ourselves, right? We have to rely on each other. We belong to each other. And that sense of belonging for me is something that I think has really sparked recently in the last few years of how we belong to each other too. Not just that we belong to a place, but we belong to each other. And I'm seeing that really unfold in this this cohort mm. of the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. And, and I saw it so powerfully here, this sense of caring for each other. Mm-hmm. You know, Chris was grilling steaks for us on Monday night. Last night he came and brought the stew for those of us after the sweat. And he was... Um, you know, cutting the, the roast when we walked in and Barb came to, you know, take anyone back that needed to go back to the lodge from, from the sweat. And, you know, you loaning me this blanket for, to sleep on and major, or excuse me, um, Leonard and Anna texting me at 6.30 to make sure I was up for my online class on Tuesday morning. Just this sense of like deep caring for each other. We're, we're taking care of each other. And I feel like we have turned a corner in that here. Have you noticed that we've been taking really deep care of each other here? Yeah. Yeah, I have too. That's, that's a really good point. Um, and people have just uh, stepped up willingly without being asked. Um, last night we finished the sweat and we were inside and we were inside Tom's house and we were eating the food that, that Chris and Barb 
brought and uh, I didn't see anybody discuss it or anything but Juanita just stood up went over and started washing dishes and pulling things together and everybody else started kind of pulling all of the table together and it was it was just like uh, without discussion it just needs to be and that was wonderful to see you know there's there's I don't know if you've heard this but with with buffalo they're unique animal because they protect their own so if one falls down if one is shot if one is hurt the others gather around it to carry it to walk with it they don't abandon it they don't walk away they're not fearful of of something uh, one of them that has fallen but they actually go to its aid and they actually support it and try to continue to bring it into the herd and uh, and so I think that's kind of what we're seeing here too not that well at sometimes we do hurt we're hearing that sometimes yeah. we hurt and the others say no we need to not be uh, fearful of of that but we need to to go and to assist and to not question it I think one thing that is so unique about these communities that we're building these communities of people that we're building is that ability to let each other see us when we're in pain mm. not just when we're happy and joyous and celebrating successes but when we're sad when when our our, our dogs are missing and when our kids are sick and when we're struggling in our relationships. I mean, that, that community that's built when we can take the time to intentionally slow down and understand someone's perspective is, is what I think, and Eric said it in our closing circle, the magic that's in our hearts can save us, save humanity. I believe that. Mm-hmm. And I believe that we're seeing that here. I think we use, need to use Eric's words for our theme, which is just to watch people spit magic. I like magic. that. I need to use that more. I love watching people spit magic. Major, here's a question that comes up often in this experience is why did you say yes? especially to a first, first-time first experience. And, and now your vantage is a little different than others because you are the chair of the Indigenous Advisory Committee and, and you are, you know, partner with Marcy and myself in creating this experience. But even before that, why did you say yes to doing this with us? Okay, I need clarification. How far back, why did I say yes? Why did you say yes to, to being a part of this specific program you have a lot going on in your life the last thing you probably wanted to say yes to was starting a brand new program why'd you say yes Mm, okay yeah um i said yes i said yes because i'm cheyenne (laughs) i said yes because when barbara came to me when she knew she was going to step off of the board she said i would like you to be on the board and i know you have to be approved but I want to take your name forward. Are you willing to do that? And she waited for me to say yes or no. And I said yes. Mm-hmm. I said yes. Um, because I know what it represents. And I know, and, and I trusted Barbara. Um, and so um, this program grew out of um, your work, 
and um, Barbara's work and other people as well. But when I saw this coming to fruition, I was like, wow, yeah, okay, I'm, I'm willing to do this. And um, because I see the benefit of this, you know, and, and we've witnessed it in the last three days here. For and sure. we've witnessed it in the last four meetings, including this one, um, that it can, it can change hearts in a good way. It can, it can allow us to look at each other differently rather than just making those blind assumptions that what you see on the surface is who that person is. Mm. And so I'm so grateful that, um, that I said yes and decided to do this. I am too. Last question. What, what is something that has surprised you along this journey, these four sessions that we've had? What is something that has surprised you? Mm. Oh, I wrote about that um, this morning. Um, what has surprised me is the fearlessness of this small collection of people that are willing to do this. That, to me, is what surprised me. Th that they have trusted Marcy and myself and the committee to guide them uh, into some uh, strange territory, unfamiliar territory, and the courage and the fearlessness um, to have people come into the sweat, something completely different than they ever imagined, and trust that it's going to be okay. That, to, to me, has been this wonderful surprise. Thanks to Chantel Schieffer and Major Robinson for that fantastic conversation on this special episode of Listen First Montana's mini-series about Leadership Montana's newest program, the Indigenous Immersion Initiative. And of course, thanks to you for listening in. If you've enjoyed today's show and want to support Listen First Montana, please tell a friend about the show or post your favorite episode on social media. Those small steps can really help us connect these stories to more listeners. Our intro song is a rendition of the Montana State song by Scott Gudger, and our other music is from Blue Dot Sessions. We'll see you soon with our next episode. Until then, thanks for listening to Listen First, Montana. Montana.